Hi guys, this is Samantha with Redefining Caregiving. Hope your day's going great. I have some really good news. Uh, I've, I've learned about something amazing. And during this time where COVID is being um, sort of just passed around as if like there's no way we can get around this COVID. We haven't for how long? The answer is a vaccine. And okay, vaccine, I'm not going to talk about vaccines today. I'm going to talk about something else that somehow got missed. And I don't know how we can miss this unless it was an intentional thing that the media would not want us to see. But I saw it on YouTube. There's a YouTube video where uh, it's a testimony of, um, it's a doctor. His name is Pierre Corey. And it's the Homeland Security Committee meeting. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear Homeland Security meeting, that's important. Uh, why wasn't that on the news? I don't know. I just saw it on there and it says, oh, December 8th. 2020. So this is during COVID. And I'm going to share it with you because if, even if just a few people hear this, at least I'm getting it out there. I couldn't believe what I read and what I saw on the video. This man is like, I'm sounding a little dire right now, like not desperate, but this doctor, no wonder he sounded so overwhelmed. And he said he's going to have to quit his job because he can't go back to his job, knowing that there's a solution and a cure for COVID. But Nobody wants to hear that because the, the manufacturing, drug manufacturers have an agenda to make a lot of money off vaccines. And I'm like, you know, I've heard that from people before. I mean, I've, I know that there's a big, you know, Johnson & Johnson basically got um, sued for the opioid uh, epidemic for pushing the medications on people who shouldn't have been taking them. Oh, I mean, with doctor's incentives and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they've actually were convicted as guilty for doing that. And they're the ones, one of the people making the vaccines. How do you let someone who's been convicted of such a crime come back and do the same thing in attempts now with the vaccine. Because basically, if you don't trust someone because they've been arrested or convicted of a crime, you certainly wouldn't go back to them and do business with them. And that, I guess I'm just finally doing more research and learning that I need to be informed. We all need to be informed. It's not about whether you wear a mask. It's not about any of that stuff. This is about coming up with a solution to a very dangerous um, COVID illness. And we all need to know how to get around COVID, not political stuff, not ignoring things, not the media. If, if, if we can find the information, we should be willing to at least hear it. So what I'm sharing with you today is outside of what I normally share. But the reason why I'm sharing is it's so amazing. You need to hear about it. I'm going to read to you from the testimony. And it starts out like this. It was December 8th in 2020. And Dr. Corey is saying, at the Homeland Security Committee meeting, focused on early treatment of COVID-19. I want to begin by thanking Senator Johnson and the committee for this critically needed effort to bring attention to the important, importance and need for effective early treatment approaches to COVID-19. I am speaking today not only as an individual physician, but also as um, also on behalf of my nonprofit organization, the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, made up now. I tried looking this stuff on, I'm pause right here. Um, I tried looking up information on Google and you cannot find true information like I'm reading right here. I had to go on the YouTube channel, which I'm sure it's been taken down now. 
uh, and watch this video. And then I went to the website he said to go to and I printed this out. But if you couldn't, wouldn't know what that website is, you wouldn't be able to find it. So that's why I'm sharing it with you on my podcast today. Um, basically, I'll continue finishing the, the first paragraph. He says, um, <clears throat> made up of some, okay, so the Critical Care Alliance is made up of some of the most highly published and well-known critical care experts in the world with almost 2,000 peer-reviewed publications. That's a lot. These are the most highly published and well-known critical care experts. Experts. But we didn't hear about this on the news. This is shocking to me. It is so shocking, the censorship and the agenda that's going on. It's starting to become pretty prevalent and people are learning about it. And I hope you share this podcast with other people too, to get the word out. Because what you're going to hear is quite amazing. Um, Now we have 2,000 peer-reviewed publications in the medical literature, as well as over 100 years of bedside clinical experience in ICU around the country, not just in the United States, around the country. A hundred years. Okay. Although we, like many, are extremely encouraged by the apparent success in developing effective vaccines, we also are dismayed at the near complete absence of guidance and research on effective early at home or preventative treatment options apart from vaccines. A reality we find unconscionable. I can't say that word. Unconscious, unconscionable. Why can I not say that word? Okay. Our hospitals are overflowing with over 100,000 COVID-19 patients admitted and new record deaths are reported each passing day. It will take months for the vaccine to be distributed. Now, this is back in December of 2020, okay, to the general public. Now, they believe in the vaccine. They're saying they believe in the vaccines. It's not anti-vax. It's any of those things. And and I'm not anti-vax either. They're saying if we can prevent it, why wouldn't we do that? That's just common sense. Why wouldn't we want to prevent a cold or a flu? We would want to prevent an accident in our car. We wear a seatbelt. But there's no, that's why it's unconscious. I can't say the word again. <laughs> you got it. Okay. It will take months. Okay, wait. It will take months for the vaccines to be distributed to the general public and further time to have sufficient impact on this crisis. So we are here to stress and the need for effective early treatment. My organization of critical care specialists have spent the, the almost nine months tirelessly reviewing the scientific literature to gain insight into this virus and the disease process and to develop effective treatment protocol. All the while, we are working long hours in intensive care unit full of COVID patients. I was proud to testify in front of the committee about our MATH plus hospital treatment protocol in May. So he he was real proud and he was able to speak out about this, I guess, and I'm not sure why they didn't listen. So May, which I would like to mention, has had nearly every single component of its combination therapies validated in clinical studies. And our paper detailing and reporting on the impacts of the treatment protocol, they have a treatment protocol, <laughs> will be published within days in the Journal of Critical Care Medicine. That's a legitimate journal of medicine. I'm like, oh, cool. So there's a protocol to help you prevent from getting COVID. I'm just like, when I watch the video and I'm reading this, I'm just in shock that uh, our government is allowing this to be ignored so big companies can make money off vaccines. So do you see where I, I feel like I wanted to interrupt this important prod, you know, podcast to, to share, share some life-changing uh, information for you, because as caregivers, this is amazing information that can change your life. 
On to the next chapter. I keep on interjecting. Sorry. <clears throat> and so it is with great pride as well as significant optimism. Wow, that's nice. That I am here to, per- to report that our group led by Professor Paul E. Merrick has developed a highly effective protocol for preventing an early treatment of COVID-19 in the last three to four months. Emerging publication publications provide conclusive data on the profound efficiency and the anti-parasite, antiviral drug, anti-inflammatory agent called ivermectin. It's I-V-E-R-M-E-C-T-I-N. It's ivermectin. I'm like, I know what ivermectin is. My daughter has that for her horse. It's an anti-parasite that she gives to her horse. And I'm like, what? They really did. were being creative. So it's called ivermectin in all stages of the disease. Our protocol was created only recently after we identified these data. Nearly all studies are demonstrating the therapeutic potency and safety of ivermectin in preventing transmission and progression of illness in nearly all who take the drug. I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, December 8th, 2020, they have a treatment protocol and we don't see it in the stores. We don't talk about it at the doctor's office. Um, boy, when people say there's conspiracy theories and stuff, that's not a conspiracy theory. This is the this is a report from the Homeland Security Committee meeting focused on early treatment of COVID. And if you if you had this in front of you, you would see there's 88 references in the back. And when I saw that there were 88 references that um, support this entire, I think it's like 20 page document where they're proving all that they say. They have all of it here. I wish you I wish you could see it. But anyway, like here's here's an example. <clears throat> I won't skip too far back because I want you to be able to hear a little bit more. But it says references and notes. And the first one is Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Working Group Math, M-A-T-H plus Hospital Treatment Protocol for COVID-19. That's www.f as in Frank, L as in Larry, ccc.net. That's www.f lcc.net and that was in 2020 so you can even just look that one up if you go online and you look up just that one you'll see this report and i'm, I'm hoping anyway it's not taken down why would they take it down that's the <laughs> why would they take it down it's crazy but this is what's happening we're we're exposing it we're that's what we're doing here so this n- number two is p.e merrick p Corey, j varen and these are the names of the doctors who did another um reference note and they did a protocol for treatment of SARS and COVID-V-2 infection. <clears throat> the scientific rationale is what it is and it's called expert review of anti-ineffective uh, therapy and then they have an, an ID for that document in 2020. So there's a list of 88 different resources of all the different doctors. I mean just number eight right here has a list of like and I can't pronounce most of them, but it's X J Zhang, J Jin, Jen Shen, C Kao, Yan, whatever. And I'm like, all these names of doctors. And they did a clinical and translational report in hospital use of statins in association with the reduced risk of mortality among individuals with an in-hospital use of statins is associated with the reduced risk of mortality among the individuals with COVID-19. And then they show the report. So these are not made up. St- this is literally 88 references. I'm going to stop there now. I'm not going to get into all that because it's getting to be a long podcast. And I know I'm talking fast. <clears throat> I want to get a lot in. I don't want to read the whole report to you. I would like you to go to that website 
And I'll put it in the show notes so that you can do it also because you will want this information because if nothing else, you can protect yourself by getting some ivermectin if you can get it. Um, I know you can get the cream, but you should ask your doctor for it. Take the report in there and say, hey, read this and then let me know if I can get some ivermectin. And they should be able to get you a prescription. If they don't, go to a doctor who will. I'm going to ask my doctor for some. Okay, so now the next paragraph says, Before proceeding, I want to bring attention to the two critical deficits in our nation's treatment response that has made this hearing necessary in the first place. Besides the early interest and research into hydrochloroquine, you know, the one they talked about before, hydrochloroquine, we can find no other significant efforts to research the use of any other already existing safe, low-cost therapeutic agents. Seemingly, the only research and treatment focus that we have observed on a national scale is with novel or high-cost pharmaceutically engineered products. What was I saying? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Such as remdesivir or monoclon antibodies or tocizumab, whatever. There's a couple drugs there (laughs) they're mentioning. They're all drugs that the companies have made But no one's doing anything different, not looking for anything else except for these doctors who've been working behind the scenes. With all such therapies costing thousands of dollars, not surprising, this is consistent with conclusions drawn by a physician consulting to Congress about COVID-19 when she concluded. Now, another physician already consulted to Congress about COVID-19, and she said, there is a persuasive, oh wow, problem on the Hill with how we prove the value of a low-cost treatment. Wonder why they don't want a low-cost treatment for people in America who are so many poor. I don't understand why, why. Is it because they want our money? Or is it because the drug companies are so used to getting that money? Well, that's why they went here and, and shared everything that they had. And still, have you heard about it? No, you're just hearing about it on this podcast today, probably. <laughs> oh, God, it's crazy. Another barrier has been... Another barrier has been the censorship of all of our attempts at disseminating critical scientific information um, on Facebook and other social media with our page repeatedly being blocked. Why would anybody block a page about a very effective and affordable protocol that helps with COVID? That, to me, is a crime in itself because if people aren't getting the help, people are dying. This is unreal. Okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to get on a rant here. Finally, we believe the lack of clinical experts on the existing task force is further hindering progress on identifying effective therapeutics. We can identify almost no members with any similarities to the skill set, clinical knowledge base, and the patient care experience to our group of expert clinicians. Existing members all, that's 2,000 is what they have. Existing members all seem to be either physician leaders of large healthcare organizations or have research backgrounds. So they're not even doctors. Although many must have had some bedside experience in the care of patients in their careers, there seems to be almost none that have been at the bedside of COVID-19. So the people making the drugs that are real expensive, they don't even, they've never even treated a patient with COVID-19. These, pa- these doctors, 2,000 of them have all gotten together and said, people are dying. We need to be able to help. We need to figure this out. And they did. And this is in the paper right here. So um, the COVID-19 patients in any appreciable fashion during this pandemic, expert clinician 
panels such as ours have large amounts of valuable insight and wisdom, and we are extremely pleased to share our recent discovery of the immense potency of ivermectin in COVID-19. Now, this is a pretty long report. I'm just going to read another paragraph here. Ivermectin is highly safe, widely available, and low cost. Its discovery was awarded the Nobel Prize in Medicine. Wow. And is already included in the WHO, WHO's, World List of Essential Medicines. Wow, I didn't know that either. We now have data from over 20 well-designed clinical studies, 10 of them randomized, controlled trials with every study. Now, that's way more than even the COVID vaccine had. People don't have any problem taking that. Oh my gosh, and there's no proof that it even does anything. Ten of them, well, it does prove that they have some bad side effects for sure, and people are dying from it. Ten of them randomized controlled uh, trials with every study consisting, uh, consistently reporting large magnitudes and statistically significant benefits in decreasing transmission rates. Wow, I keep saying wow. Shortening, you can imagine when I read this, I had to share it with you. Shortening recovery times, decreasing hospitalization, or large reductions in death. This clinical data is also reported by multiple basic science in vitro and animal studies. Our manuscript, complete uh, one week ago, is already out of date due to the near daily emergence of new positive ivermectin studies. The manuscripts, you can't say that about COVID vaccine. They're not saying, look at all these people are doing better. This is already outdated. The manuscript has been posted on, here you go, guys, you get to look up your stuff and read it. The manuscript has been posted on the medical preprint server OSF. It's Open Science Foundation and can be downloaded here. I'm going to give it to you. Get a pen and paper, guys. <clears throat> I'm also going to put in the show notes. It's HTTPS colon slash slash OSF. That's the Open Science Foundation. OSF dot IO slash WX. 3ZN slash. Now that's the website. And on our organizational website, it's www.f as in Frank, L as in Larry, cc.net. That's www.flccc.net. Go there, guys. You're going to get this. You're going to read it. I don't have to read the whole thing to you. I just wanted you to get excited about it. So you'll share this and go read about ivermectin that they're not telling you about. You know, people have already gotten the vaccines. A lot of us have got the vaccines and you're like, we didn't have to go through all that, the, all this stuff, the side effects and things or what we don't even know is coming. There's an answer right here. And we didn't hear about it. It kind of reminds me of my story. Like I was given, when I had an ulcer at the age of 19, I was given Tagamet. Tagamet is an antacid, a prescription antacid. And I was like 21 at the time. I didn't know anything about natural approaches to anything. And I took Tagamet for a long time and it helped my stomach, it helped my ulcer. But at one point it stopped helping and I started having symptoms of bloating and pain and, and my uh, indigestion. And I wasn't sure what was going on. So I started doing some research and calling around and then, you know, we didn't have the internet uh, as prevalent as we do today to find out our answers. But I did find out that what Tagamet does and what tum, Tums and those antacids do is when you take them, they destroy all the acid in your stomach and your stomach needs to have two kinds of acid. The positive it has the enzymes that produce the acid in your stomach and um, 
they digest your food. Well, there's the positive acid and there's too much acid, which is not good. There has to be a balance. And so when you take it and destroy all of that gut flora, basically is what it's called, you cannot digest your food. So I stopped, I listened to a podcast on Back to the Beginning. It was a health program. And they said, there's a pro, there's a formula called Digest It. And I was like, oh, what's in it? And they're like peppermint leaves, papaya, just like three or four basic simple food items. And I said, how could that possibly do what this drug is doing for me? And then I realized this drug is not helping me anymore. So I was desperate. Uh, I wanted to eat my food without feeling terrible. So I started taking one of the digestive formulas with my tagamate, thinking I'm not going to give up that drug. I'm so addicted to helping with my stomach, right? I was so, I didn't know. It's kind of like now we're like vaccines, vaccines. But guess what? There's this thing called ivermectin. And so I took the digestive pill and guess what it did? It helped. It helped my stomach. I mean, I was literally drinking orange juice and eating peanut butter toast again. And I didn't have any acid reflux or anything. And so uh, eventually after a week or so, I stopped taking the tagamate. I took the digestive formula and I was sold on nutrition from that point forward. I became a fanatic about nutrition, and I still am. Now, this is a natural approach. It's a drug, but it's a natural approach compared to vaccines that have, oh, don't even get me started on it. I've done some research now. I know it's in the vaccines, and I know that the spike protein is, there's mutations and things that are causing people problems, and I'm not going to get into all that, but because you guys need to know the answers. So now we're going on about 20 minutes. I'm going to stop here because I, I'm so excited to share this website with you. You can also look up, it says right here, um, it says, a more updated meta-analysis and review authored by our group of PhD researchers and scientists include all ivermectin studies on December 4th, 2020, and can be found in the C 19study.com website. And that's at http ps https colon slash slash i v m m e t a i v m m e t a dot com slash so you can go there too and see all these reports and read all this work that these doctors did to save people and the reason why they did it was you'll read at the end of this entire if you go there and read this report oh i hope you do and i hope you share it you'll see that the um the protocol is so amazing and Oh, I couldn't believe how simple it was. So the protocol for basically uh, that they used was ivermectin, vitamin D3, vitamin C, uh, quercetin, which is natural, melatonin, zinc, and um, that's it, aspirin. Like literally those things they figured out are preventing COVID and healing people from COVID. So you got it here today. This podcast may not be real big, but guess what? You guys got the inside scoop that you can't get. I don't know. I I don't even know how I got this. I think an angel brought it to me because when I read about it before, I started researching and it really opened my eyes to so many things. Okay, I'm going to stop right here, guys. Whew. I'm out of breath. (laughs) But I'm very excited to, I hope you actually listen to this podcast and that you go down to the notes and then find out where to get this information and share it with as many people as you can, please. And don't forget to include yourself in the care you give 
by being open-minded to trying new approaches and getting back to the basics, back to the beginning and doing things naturally. Because it seems like every time I've ever faced any problem in my life, when I tried to force it and do things with drugs and medication and surgery, it always ended up turning out where I needed help in the end again. And it always ended up going back to either yoga, exercise, food, diet, it always comes back to me and my body and how I manage it. And this is what we're doing today by looking at this approach. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for stopping by for this very long podcast, but I think it was worth every minute. Okay, you take care. Bye-bye.